Welcome to the Practical Church Revitalization Podcast. We look at revitalization in real time, examining the ups and downs of revitalizing and replanting historical and legacy churches throughout New England and the U.S. And now here's your hosts, Eric Malloy and Don McKinney. Hey everyone, welcome to the Practical Church Revitalization Podcast, and I am uh, alone, as you can tell. It's just me, Don, from Legacy Church. Uh, Eric and Sam are not here, uh, much like last week when Eric recorded uh, down in Atlanta and had Mark Clifton, Bob Bickford, and Jim Harrell with him, but today I have no special guest. Uh, I am just doing a, I'm trying to think what to call this, um, sort of a review, I guess. So yesterday I was able to go to the Small Town Summits meeting, and uh, as as Eric talked last week about, uh, you know, he asked a question about networks and, and local and national, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the interesting things that's gone on, if you have followed networks and you followed the Gospel Coalition, the Gospel Coalition has area chapters. And so in New England, there is the Gospel Coalition New England chapter, which has all six New England states. And, <clears throat> excuse me, as um, some of you might know, uh, a lot has been going on focusing on revitalization and also uh, church planting in small towns. And uh, let's not forget the small towns. It's as uh, Donnie Griggs, I believe, yesterday was the one who said, uh, Jesus did big ministry in small towns. And I think that was a quote from Tim Keller that he gave. And <clears throat> so it's kind of an interesting Kind of an interesting thing, but um, anyway, so Gospel Coalition New England is doing these small town summits, and uh, they've been doing them for about a year and a half, maybe. Uh, I've I've noticed they've they've gone up to Maine a couple of times in New Hampshire. Uh, I believe there was one in Pepperell, Massachusetts. Uh, they've been in Vermont. They've I think. Next year, they plan on being in Rhode Island and Connecticut for the first time. But uh, this is something that is going on. It's something that is awesome, something um, something I was eager to be a part of. And when I went to get my tickets, uh, the tickets were sold out. And so I was kind of bummed out. But thankfully, uh, thanks to the guys from Creative Missions in West Virginia, um, they are coming to help us at Legacy uh, next month, actually, in, in April. Um, the the uh, president of Creative Missions, Cleve Pearson, was able to get me a uh, ticket of uh, one of their guys who couldn't go. And so I made it yesterday, and, um, you know, this is, like I said, it's just a, a little brief history now, uh, or a little brief review, but... Um, yeah, it was really good. It's it was uh, held on the campus of Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary. Um, the main sessions were in the Kaiser um, 
chapel, and then they had breakouts. <clears throat> Among the breakouts that they had, and I have the list right here, they had uh, discipling women in small places, they had soul care in small places, church planting in small places, sustaining a healthy marriage while ministering in small places, church revitalization in small places, which was uh, hosted by our own Jim Harrell from Overseed, uh, community ministry in small places, and the pastor as public theologian in small places. And it was really good. Um, the speakers that they had were Richard Lintz from uh, Gordon-Conwell. He, he is the man, if you've ever read Tim Keller's uh, Gospel-Centered Ministry or Centered Church book, um, he is the man that um, Tim Keller credits with this the- theology of ministry uh, for your church, and uh, that was basically what he was talking about. Uh, his his the first sh- session was what theological vision is and why it matters for small place ministry. <clears throat> so, uh, Doctor Lintz was talking and basically pointed out that uh, you know what is what are the things in your area, and this can go for revitalization. It can go for anything, really. Um, now, I went because I'm in a small town, <clears throat> of course, but it was, it was really a, uh, a good session, uh, really. It, it made you look and think and realize that yet we can do things, we can see things. Um, actually, the second speaker I had talked about it, about uh, big box ministry, um, you know, we look at what's going on uh, at other churches, and we think we can just take that and plug it in. But uh, Richard Lintz was was saying that isn't always the case. Um, <clears throat> one of the things he talked about was, you know, what is the culture that's going on at the at the um, church, and uh, what is what is the cultural context like when you're looking at the at your scriptures and you're trying to write these exegetical sermons um it, it's great to to try to be as true to the gospel but the one thing that everybody fails at is putting it in a cultural context and it can be quite easy to um write it write your your scripture and put it in a context that's outside of the town but how well do you know your town? How well do you know what's going on in town? And how can you write that uh, scripture into the cultural context? And so uh, it was a real good, really good um, session. You know, I was pointing out, like, when we, when we look at our visions for the church... Do we know <clears throat> the area we've been sent to well enough to realize uh, where the hurt is? Uh, you know, we, many churches today, they're talking about getting the next generation, getting the millennials, getting Gen Z. But what if your town doesn't have Gen Z? And that, that, that goes with uh, one, the breakout I went. But that was the thing um what if your what if your town doesn't have gen z or or millennials 
And so how are you going to write your sermon in a way that ministers to the people and touches the people's hearts? And so um, there, were some, there were some great points that he had um, as he, he was sitting there talking um, about this. And, you know, I got to say, Dr. Lintz was really, uh, really hard-hitting, really um, got you thinking uh, with how this, as, uh, as a part of your ministry, um, how that really kind of hits things like where you know what what are you doing what things are you trying to copy like are you trying to copy Tim Keller or are you trying to be as authentic as it can be because even Tim Keller says uh, not everything um, goes with what happens you know in in the vision so some of the stuff he talked about was understanding and communicating how things could be but are not. And so he was saying, you know, vision, what we see, it, uh, what we see it's part of the function of what you're looking for. And then he, he talked about there's immediate vision and distant vision. And the immediate vision is the object of your immediate concern. Distant vision is objects you are, uh, you know, you can hold in your sight without paying close attention to. Um, he talked about the textual horizon, um, you know, buying in the actual words of the scripture passage, and then. Um, understanding the history and he was saying like it's important to know the history of the area you're in um what you know what has happened there culturally what has happened there uh historically what's happened in your churches historically um and then uh you know just figuring out uh who your audience is and how you're going to minister to them it was really really a challenging um, challenging part. And then he was talking about disconnected pairs. Um, really, uh, once you uh, figure out the horizon of Scripture to the horizon of culture, he was talking about how um, the disconnected pairs are the church and preaching, and the church is be- belief and behavior. Preaching is exegesis and application. And it, it really, like, those those are the disconnected pairs, is the belief and behavior is disconnected, exegesis and application is disconnected. Uh, it's very hard at times for many pastors to figure out an application that is sustainable in today's context for um, churches. And then uh, he was talking about uh, what our theological vision is, uh, the way you get from the text to the context of life, and uh, that we need glasses to see life through. Um, There is a middle ground of doctrine and life that we need to find. Uh, This is an interesting thing because this has been a conversation Eric and I have been talking about something we've seen uh with with pastors out there um where you you see pastors that are very great exegetically but uh you know there you hear about 
pastors that are teaching exegetically, but their churches aren't growing. What's going on? Some people look at the churches where the pastors are teaching exegetically and they're growing, and you find out they might be doing some stuff that would be church growth type in nature, and uh, it's trying to find that balance. And he was saying that is what we need. We need to find a balance of uh, teaching biblical discipleship and then going out into the community and making disciples and um, being active in our our culture and our our towns and how do we do that. And um, the other thing is, uh, you know, like he said, it, it, the, the problem with that is that in some cases, many make the gospel so thin, you know, so simple that it becomes thin and it needs to be thick. So it's understanding that, you know, you want to make it so that you can speak the gospel in a way that people understand it, but that it doesn't go over their heads, but that it doesn't become so thin that people just slip right through it. And then uh, finding cultural discourse and tackle that. So uh, that was the other point he he got to was um, finding out what's going on in your culture and um, just you know being being there and able to um, tackle what's uh, what's going on. The next person that talked, um, it was really good. Uh, session two was Brad Roth. He, uh, he was talking about paddling upstream, how the doctrine of God sends us to small places. And so Brad, Brad and Donnie Griggs were um, kind of similar in what their life stories were. They were talking about how they thought they were going to be in big cities planting new churches and that wasn't the case. And he gave uh, the story of a, an old steamer ship that was basically a time capsule. It sank, and the people found it um, about 100 years later. And um, it was a time capsule to the life that was, but it was something that they realized there was still a lot of that culture going on in the town that they were in that Brad's in. Now, Brad wrote a book, and I'm, I'm sorry I don't have the book. Uh, Donnie Griggs, you might know, he wrote Small Town Jesus, but um, Brad Roth wrote a book recently that um, everybody was talking about, and it's it's one, uh, I don't even think I wrote it down, and uh, what I'll do is I'll put, when I find out what it is, it's going to be in the show notes uh, for you to, to look at, and um, that way there you can order it yourself. But um, Brad's point was, you know, how we, how we uh, are sitting there, uh, how the doctrine of God s- uh, sends us to small places. And his thing was, uh, what can we learn from the changing locales as they age? And so um, he was talking about how God's love is the thing that sends us out to those, to those places. Um, God loves much with little, and he, you know, does much with little. And he used the example of the parable of the five loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 people, and that there was, like, a lot left over. There was 12 bushels left over. Um, and then he was talking about, uh, like, the Cataholus, uh, where we get the Catholic Church, how the church is uh, universal. Um, in, in the old sayings, not the not the... Not the uh, 
group that we call the Catholic Church today, the Roman Catholic Church, but how the church uh, was a, a universal church back then. Um, we go for the love of God. We go to these places uh, for the love of God and to love of, uh, the people. The church is not being the church if it abandons rural. Now that's an interesting thing because he was talking about how uh, many churches out there, you know, we, we look at like church planting networks and different things that are out there and they have been so focused on the big sexy cities. You know, let's go to New York, let's go to Chicago, let's go to Boston, let's go to LA, let's go down to Miami, Florida, let's go to Dallas, Texas. Let's go to Denver, Colorado, you know, all the places that could be big and sexy and growing and all this stuff where people can make names. And then we look at uh, stuff like what's going on with Cross Point Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and how they are losing people because they've been just trying to, to be the big nightclub type church. And the people want real and an authentic church. Um, they don't want a church where... You know, the people in the worship band are doing basically cover songs of the guys that are in the audience. And um, that really is uh, a huge thing that he was talking about. You know, what is going on? You know, there's a lot that can be done in the small places. And we've thought about the trickle-down effects, that that was going to be the thing that would work. You know, whatever was carrying in the big cities was going to trickle down to the small cities. And that's not the not necessarily what is going on. So uh, that's, that's where he was saying, you know, we got we to gotta have a heart for the rural or else we're not the church. Um, how do we help rural people? Um, like he said, there is no place the church is not called to be. You know, Jesus said, go out and make disciples of all people, not go out into the, all the big cities and, and do that. Jesus didn't start his ministry in Nazareth, uh, I mean, in, in Jerusalem, he started it in Nazareth, and that's something Donnie Griggs talked about. But um, he talked about uh, paying attention to your place and, and the culture. You know, that's an important thing. We talk about the culture, what goes on in the culture. Um, you know, you can't be a pastor of your town if you do not understand the culture. It's it's something that, like, Eric and I have talked about, uh, about um, trying to be culturally accepted in our towns, um, you know, and, and probably in, in sort of God's um, own humor, he, he sent Eric and I to two places that uh, we probably should have flipped. You know, I think Eric could have done well here in Sutton, uh, for what there is, because Eric is a, a, a country boy in many aspects, and I, I'm a born Bostonian, so even though it's Charlestown, and I, I know the different culture of the 23 neighborhoods, I am a West Roxburyan, and, um, you know, I would understand the culture there, but God sent us to areas where we have to learn new culture and we have to be active in the community ourselves to learn the culture and be accepted in the culture. Um, and he was talking about that, how wine growers uh, know the places to grow grapes, uh, you know, to get distinct flavors because each area is different. Each ground and soil has, uh, has the ability to give the grapes a different flavor. 
Um, you know, so we have to have that understanding and uh, we have to have the need to go in and find things of interest. You know, what are the things that we love in a town that we can, we can totally go in and understand? Um, and do we see the beauty of this? Are we making friends in our towns? Um, you know, do we know who has the power in town? Do we know who has the influence? Um, you know, uh, are we being a friend to the community? And uh, real, realize the out, you know, uh, realize that we need to give everything to God, all the outcomes. And um, he has a he has a website. Uh, Brad Roth has a website, DoxologyProject.com. I'll put a link in the show notes for that. But that was really good. Um, next, I went to the breakout, the pastors' rolling community, and. Um, there, there was just a lot there, but it's, it was talking about, you know, and this is good for revitalization. Let me say this. This was really good for revitalization. We've touched upon a number of these things, but there was a lot of big things in there about finding out um, how you could become the chaplain uh, in your community. Uh, I know for, for Eric that might be really tough, but Eric's actually um, been able to connect with uh, the the um, courthouse in in Charlestown and um, just kind of be there uh, as a chaplain as a pastor to help people who are going to trial. But they were talking about like becoming the chaplain, um, getting involved in school sports, you know, in local sports, whether it's basketball or soccer or baseball or something. Get involved coaching so that people get to know you, and that way, there, uh, you as the pastor are not seen as uh, somebody who's just coming in trying to to make money out of the church. You know, it, it, it's sad that that's the idea, but like he was saying, um, the man, the gentleman that uh, ran this session, uh, he's from Vermont. Um, let's trying to see if I can find his name in here. But um, let's see, oh, it, Jason McConnell, he was saying that, um, you know, one of the biggest things is that we do not uh, have the influence we did in the 1950s. He was like saying how like in the 1950s, pastors had uh, a lot of influence. Um, you could go to uh, like a Red Sox game and they gave you a clergy discount on the tickets. And we don't have that anymore. We, we don't have a lot of the status that we did because of various things in our culture that have changed that. And he was saying we need to, we need to create that again, but how we do that is by getting out into our communities and um, being able to, to just see what happens. He pointed out that a uh, famous theologian, Karl Barth, and now love him or hate him, as he said, uh, he pointed out that Karl Barth actually coached girls' sports in his community and taught uh, a class on hygiene in the local school because that got him known in his area. Now, where Barth was in Europe, that was not, you know, it, it was already, it's it's where our, our identity as America is headed where we're in a post-Christian America, and uh, he pointed out that's what's going on. So 
we need to we need to make those those strides. We need to get into the community. Um, some of the stuff he talked about was, um, you know, getting to know local business people and legislatures and um, finding uh, sometimes we need to go beyond the four walls of the church. And this is something that I know many people have been talking about for many years. Um, but let me just say this. Uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed what he said, he gave an example and he was saying, um, he knows, you know, he goes, we, we as pastors, we can go beyond 40 hours a week, even if we're, we're, um, part-time and bivocational. It's understanding that we need to spend time working on our sermons, but we also need to spend time in our, uh, community. So he was saying, you know, one of the ideas he gave was if you're full-time, you should be spending 35 hours in your church, in your office, working on your sermon, counseling others, um, doing, doing the stuff that you were called to as the pastor, but then um, having 15 hours outside of the church in the local coffee shop uh, or, or uh, a local eatery or someplace working on your sermon. And he gave this example, and I loved this example. And what he was saying was he actually uh, goes to a local coffee shop, a local local uh, convenience store, as he said, that doubles as the coffee shop and um, deli and everything in, in his town in Vermont. And he was sitting there working on a sermon, and he said in the corner there's four old guys that always sit there, veterans, they're always playing games and, and having a good time. And they asked him, they know he's the pastor in town, one of the pastors in town. They asked him, hey, Rev, what are you working on? And he told them the book of Amos. And uh, basically they were like, famous Amos, the cookie guy? And he said no, and just kind of went into into what was going on there, what, what uh, he was planning on teaching that week. And... Um, just had a big conversation for like an hour, hour and a half in the store, uh, just talking to those guys. Well, a couple of days later, he said uh, at church he had two visiting families, and both families came to the church because they went into the store. They, he didn't know. He didn't know because he was so engaged in the conversation with the older guys that. Um, they heard him, and they thought, that really sounds interesting. I want to go hear that. And so he was saying, you never know in smaller towns, in communities, um, wherever God sent you, you don't know who's going to hear what you're working on, and that's going to interest them to come and visit your church. And so that was something that, that, that was like probably for me the biggest takeaway that I took away, uh, being in a small farming community right now. Um, Especially since, uh, like he talked about, you know, connect with pastors in the community and uh, town, and I've I've connected with a few here in Sutton, and um, one of them had told me, you know, the the, the because there is no local, you know, coffee because there's no local coffee shop in the area. Um, Starbucks has become that for the. For the town, it seems weird, but it is, and that's where I've connected. I actually met with a gentleman last week 
there from a children's ministry, and we were able to um, make that connection and uh, discuss, and we even heard people from other churches in there talking. And so, yeah, it, it makes sense. It, it really does. Now, the final session was Donnie Griggs. Now, as I said, Donnie Griggs, the man of epic beard, um, he was there. He's written Small Town Jesus. Uh, he was there to talk about what gospel-shaped small town ministry looks like in practice. And so he read, um, you know, we need. he read from Luke four sixteen through 19, said we need to be inspired uh, and inspire the next established generation of pastors. In other words, we've been um, focusing too much on church planting, and uh, there are many churches that are already established that are in need of churches, and we need to go ahead and begin the work of inspiring them to take over an established church. So uh, he was talking about needing theological conviction, which kind of went back to what um, the first session was. But he was saying, uh, again, you know, he said Jesus did big ministry in small places. Uh, Small town ministry can't be a stepping stone to bigger things. That's the way it used to be. Uh, It reminded me, Dr. Tom Rayner has talked about that many times on his podcast, how people used to go to the small towns, and then they were hoping to make it to the next biggest church until they made it to the county seat church. Um, That's not the way it is anymore. Uh, We need a conviction for small towns. Uh, Wherever you're at, be all there. That's a quote from Jim Elliott. He said, many people kind of want to have the next big thing. They're thinking, you know, two, three, four years into the future, 10 years into the future. And he's like, we need to, to stop in that big dream thinking. We need to have vision for the future of the church, but we need to be established where we are currently in our church, because if we're thinking five years, ten years down the road, we're going to miss big opportunities now that can get us there five, ten years from now. In small towns, people want to move out. He pointed that out, um, you know, like people are always talking bad about small towns, and he's like, that's the thing we have to have as the heart of a pastor. Um you know, like, that's why it's big for pastors to move into the towns, because people are going to look at that and be like, why are you moving here? Uh, I want to get out of here. And he was talking about that um, from his perspective. Um, You'll need to be able to unpack the gospel faithfully. And so this goes back to, like we were talking about, being able to preach but make it able to understand. Um, one of one of the one of uh, the guys I was with was saying how uh, he used to be an exegetical preacher and um, do it verse by verse, and he said now he does it paragraph by paragraph, and he has um, three points he'll he'll hit in those paragraphs because that's more understandable and more relatable to people. We like to think that, oh, you know, we, we buy into the culture of um, 
people are more, smarter than what we think, but that isn't always the case. And so, it, again, it becomes knowing your your people and um, your culture in your area. And so we might want to sit there and be like Tim Keller or, or even John MacArthur and hit the, hit the verse by verse, but people don't have that ability. And so we can be faithful and exegete a passage well by doing uh, paragraph by paragraph and uh, hitting the three points and being able to then take those three points and how we apply it to the lives of, of the people in our congregations. Um, we need to have compassion for our towns, our, our areas that we're in. We need to find the darkness in uh, the town and be Jesus there. Uh, when there's loss, weep with your community uh, in more it is more important than a conference. And the reason why I wrote that down was Griggs was saying the reason why he was late getting there was they had the death of a uh, person who was well-loved in the town. And he was asked, because he's the only pastor in the town, I believe he said, so he was asked to do the funeral. And he had already, he had already booked his flight for the uh, conference but the funeral was that morning, and so he did the funeral. He said it was more important for him to do the funeral and be there for the people before coming to the conference. And he spoke late. He spoke at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He's from North Carolina, so you figure about an hour and a half flight up here. So that's, that's you know, the kind of thing he, he got us thinking about there um, yesterday. Uh, we need a sense of missional urgency. This is something that's interesting because I have a friend who um, he's been at his church. It's an established church. His father um, his father planted the church uh, about 25, almost 30 years ago. Uh, yeah, 30, actually. Uh, let's see, 92... O two twelve, yeah. So just over twenty five years ago, and uh, he took over as pastor back in 06, 2006, and he's been there. And uh, it's something that's kind of been hitting him. The church has done well discipling, but um, they they've needed to focus on the community at large, and so that was something that really kind of spoke to me. Um, he talked about uh, so many communities have hidden opportunities, especially in the poor regions of towns. People in church plants are obsessed with uh, podcasts, and it doesn't always hit well with where we are um, in our communities, uh, you know, because they don't care about the latest podcasts. They don't care about um, what we're listening to, what you're listening to right now. Um, so, you know, it's good training for us as pastors, but it's another thing, um, you know, to, to uh, be able to, to understand what they like and, you know, go out fishing with them. With them. You know, if you got a group of men, go out fishing, go out hunting, go out and play sports with them. Um, he talked about, again, you know, it was like, uh, we can't preach 40 feet over their heads. Uh, 
you know, we have all the education, but we got to understand, you know, do these people understand really what we're talking about? And, you know, we can argue about translations and everything, but are we preaching in a way that they truly understand the Bible? Are we truly being faithful, not into the text, but are we truly being faithful also in helping them understand the text? One thing that was said to me was, you know, you can, if you do the, the paragraph by paragraph method, and you know you're missing a point that you really want to, you keep that sermon in your records, and then you go ahead and you uh, go back, you know, five, ten years later uh, over it again, and you hit those points that you missed. Um, another thing that they talked about was the, there's always suicide and depression in small towns, so there's a great opportunity to be a counselor. Um, you need to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit, no matter what. We, oh, we need that. Um, when we face the darkness, we need the Spirit, and, and that's where He's needed most. And we have to we have to model healthy teams in our churches. Um, make sure you're meeting with your teams regularly, and you you know where they are spiritually, and keep um, just counseling them so that they can counsel others. Um, and also be ready for rejection. That was one thing Griggs talked about. Um, he said, you know, we know that rejection is always going to happen. And we need to stand up for uh, to people of influence. There are people in, in many churches, and I know this in the history of my own church, um, that there are people that uh, they try to hold their checkbook, you know, over the church. You know, they they know that if they leave, you're going to be missing you know, $1,000 a month out of your budget because they leave. Don't be afraid to stand up to them. They can't hold the church captive. The church is not theirs to hold captive. It's God's church. Uh, so, yeah, overall, it was a great, uh, great session. I loved it. I loved being there. Um, I'm looking forward. There's There's a couple of ones here, if I can put... If I can look this up, um, they are going to have another one October 19th. Uh, now, that one's for Central and Western Mass. I'm in Central Mass, um, but I, I, need, I wanted it, and I'm glad I went to the, to the one that happened yesterday uh, in Eastern Mass. Uh, so I'm planning on going there. There's a couple of other ones that they're going to have. Um, and then... Uh, they're going to be doing uh, a big gospel in small places, why ministry in forgotten communities matters. Uh, that's going to be November 2019. There's no date for that one, but that one is going to be Steve Whitmer, who is a um, popular uh, revitalizer and um, uh, pastor here, uh, part of the Gospel Coalition New England here and. Uh, then, of course, they're going to be doing the small town summits in Connecticut and Rhode Island next year. But, again, if you can connect with your own uh, Gospel Coalition chapters, you might not be part of the Gospel Coalition, you might not agree with them, but let me say this. You've you got to network, you got to connect, you got to... Um, be in, invited to, to, you know, not invited, but you got to invite people uh, to speak into your lives. Um, 
you know, there's a great quote I've heard, and I don't know who said it, but, you know, you can always glean things from anybody um, biblically that you might not agree with totally, but there are nuggets that you can use to help in your ministry. So uh, that's it. You know, uh, this is a really weird podcast, and I'm glad we were able to do this, but um uh, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to meeting with Eric again and, and touching base with Eric and Sam and, and getting that. And uh, I know me and Natalie are going to be uh, doing um, a couple of podcasts uh, at a later time. Um, but we're going to be changing things here at the Practical Church Revitalization Podcast. We're going to try to get content out every week for you all. And. Um, I uh, hope that, uh, you know, we, we want to equip you, even though we are living busy lives right now, um, we want to be able to equip you each and every week. So uh, hopefully uh, this this was able to inspire you to at least go and check out uh, local networks and um, what they have for you. So that's it. God bless. We love you all. We'll talk to you later.